the Fridays with Frazetta Girls. This week, we have an exclusive interview with the one and only Lexi Leon, the person who is responsible for bringing Frazetta back into comics. Lexi owns and operates Incendium, a multifaceted production company known for creating an array of animations, toys, video games, and of course, comics, which he publishes through his company, Opus Comics. So without further ado, Lexi Leon. Hello, hey. Lexi. Hey, Sarah, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Um, oh, thank you for your time, Lexi. I'm so happy to have you today, and it's so deserving to have you as guest number one. Um, so we'll get right into it, Lexi. You've worked with some legendary bands and musicians such as Evanescence, Disturb, and I know you worked very closely with Iron Maiden as their interactive and creative director. So I want to know how that relationship came about and what you did while working together to help further build Iron Maiden's legacy. Well, big sprawling question to start. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, how it came about goes back a long way now. Um, because whew, I guess we're going back to 20, I don't know, 2014, 15, something like that, maybe before. Um, but yeah, I was uh, I was doing some creative work for Sony back in the day. Um, this was still Incendium uh, before we were doing, you know, public facing products, before we were putting out stuff that you could buy in the shops and things ourselves. We were creating, uh, you know, products and productions for other companies um so we were doing stuff for sony music back in the day uh and there was a guy there who was the uh, senior vice president of sony international i believe his title was um and uh this wonderful gentleman went on to be the managing director of phantom music uh which is iron maiden's management company and so um when he started there he kind of hit me up and said oh a lot of the things that we'd wanted to do Sony that we weren't able to do because of like budget constraints or they didn't fully understand like the, the benefits of say comics and toys or games or whatever it might be um, because you're going back a ways like this wasn't commonplace you know back in the early 2000s um, you know there weren't like bands with comic books broadly speaking now it's very commonplace uh, there weren't bands with video games broadly speaking uh, and there weren't bands with toys broadly speaking so you know record labels didn't really get it management companies didn't really get it like why you'd be doing that but um you know he did and so um particularly obviously for iron maiden it made a lot of sense and they had dabbled in some of these areas um but it wasn't very cohesive there wasn't kind of like a plan behind it or just you know occasionally an opportunity would come up and they'd be like oh why not you know we'll do that thing um and so it's very disjointed you know and especially when you have a global brand uh like iron maiden uh, and you have millions and millions of fans, you kind of need some kind of cohesive thing that everyone can get behind, that all the fans can follow, they know what's going on, they know what the, the kind of plot is, the main Eddie character that's leading that, like how it all ties in um, and, and what the relevance is like to the band themselves and the music. And so I was tasked, you know, with kind of bringing this all in-house for Iron Maiden, um, you know, toys and games and comics and so on. And ultimately, um, because it was Iron Maiden and because they're global and because they have huge numbers of fans also in, you know, sort of more developing countries as well, you know, India and Brazil and so on. Um, they, you know, didn't want to go and do like a PlayStation 4 game, right? Because, you know, PlayStation in Brazil costs like two and a half thousand dollars and the game is 500 bucks, you know, <laughs> it's right, like, crazy. you know, you can't do that um, to your fans over there. 
Um, so they needed something that would kind of level the playing field, and that's where kind of mobile gaming came in, and mobile gaming was big at the time. Uh, well, still huge now, but there was certainly a big zeitgeist around it at the time. Uh, and so, you know, there was this lofty goal to create like a, a, a free-to-play mobile game that like all the fans could actually play from start to finish, and it was indeed free. Uh, of course, all these games have, you know, like they call freemium or whatever, have like paid mechanics. Um, but I do believe that the Iron Maiden one is one of the best examples of like a pretty like meaty role-playing game that that has like multiple worlds and hundreds of characters and whatever, and, and you can actually play through the entire campaign without really grinding. You know, you have to do stuff a thousand times or whatever. You can you can play it pretty linearly from start to finish. Um, and then a lot of it's like the end game content um, that kind of keeps you coming back. And then if you choose to spend or you want to engage in that community in that way, you can. Um, but that was that was kind of, you know, priority number one. And then I was concerned about mobile games having really limited capacity for storytelling, you know, because like it's on a tiny screen and it's kind of characters jump around from node to node or whatever. It's not, you know, it's, it's not like AAA gaming on, you know, God of War or whatever it might be, you know, on your console. So that's where the idea to do the comic series came about. And obviously I've been making comics anyway, you know, my own first series was Eternal Descent back in like 2008 or something. So, and again, that was one of the first like music kind of more modern like music comics outside of, you know, Kiss doing co comics, uh, which they've obviously done since the seventies and Kiss is kind of a unique entity in that way. Um, Cause they've always kind of styled themselves after like comic book superheroes um, by their own admission and Gene's a big comics fan uh, from his youth. So, but I think, you know, the idea of bringing more like real life, like band personalities into comics, you know, that was something I was doing, um, you know, with Eternal Descent, you know, back in, you know. Did you write Eternal Descent, Alexi? I, I did, yeah. I mean, initially, okay. you know, I had a broad kind of, you know, roadmap for it in the first couple of scripts. And then I worked with a bunch of writers to kind of flesh it out, take it further, because we ended up doing like, I think there's like 18 issues or something like that across the breadth yeah. of it. And we also did a mobile game. So I had, <laughs> by the time I'd come yeah. to Iron Maiden, I'd done, you know, the comics and the mobile game and working with bands and all this stuff. So, um, so yeah, I mean, jumping back to Maiden, you know, it was about kind of world building and coming up with the conceit for the story of like how there would be all the different eddies in one place, so to speak, you know, because there's, there's all these different eddies that you see, you know, their mascot in all these different guises, but typically only see one at a time. You know, you go to the LA show and you see, you know, Eddie on the Hollywood Walk of Fame on the shirt, but he's not standing next to like Trooper Eddie, it's just that Eddie. And then, you know, you might see the Trooper Eddie on a different graphic. Uh, and so there, again, there was this big world building challenge of like, why are there all these Eddies <laughs> you know, to collect right. and all these different abilities? Um, and anyway, it ended up being that his soul was shattered and then it was all the different shards with the different aspects ah. of the character. That was I love the that. narrative conceit, which yeah. was good fun. And um and the beast was like corrupting the shards and using them to, you know, create like monsters. And so that would be, you know, the, the villains and that that you would battle throughout the stages. So it was a cool setup. And you had Eddie and the Beast as like the primary protagonist and antagonist. And and, and you know, and, and also because it's kind of a yin yang thing with good versus evil and that, they are two sides of the same coin. So it kind of made sense that the that the powers almost shared between them and it was they're basically like fighting for the same power and in any case it's like to put it back in himself and in in, in uh in the you know the, the sort of the beast's case it's like to sow disorder and and, and chaos and, and, and i'm guessing you you came up with that part of that story as well. yeah like again yeah. like broadly um yeah yeah and then i i you know uh i'd, I'd done that for the game and we had a treatment um 
I mean, once it got into like scripting stage, because you're talking, you know, then all the characters need dialogue and all this kind of thing. You know, the writers were brought in. Uh, a few different, a few different writers that were great on, on on the mobile game, and then they took it much further as well. You know, eventually uh, my role became much more like oversight because the game was going on at the same time as like we made a pinball machine based on that game and all those worlds and whatever. We made the comic series, you know, based on that game and all those worlds. We made toy lines, and and then there was the world tour, um, the Legacy of the Beast world tour. Um, which ran for a couple of years up until COVID shut everything down. And even since it's restarted, they're still doing the Legacy of the Beast tour, as far as I know. Um, yeah, they'll be in Tampa, an hour north of us, the end of this right. month. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, they're, so they're still on that, on that kick. And that's basically the nucleus of all of that and that whole brand and that sub-brand, like Legacy of the Beast. That was kind of, I mean, I named that uh, and, and that was kind of my creation during my, my tenure uh, with Iron Maiden. But, you know, you, you can't take full responsibility responsibility for something like that because like i said i mean there was, you know i mean the game team alone now is still like varies you know but it's can be up to like 60 people <laughs> just working on, right. on that aspect right. and then obviously stern did a brilliant job with the pinball and then so on and so forth so but yeah i was kind of like the linchpin trying to um tie tie this world together and and, and create this kind of cohesive universe this legacy of the beast universe um within the iron maiden umbrella i suppose to for the first time you know create a, a, a linear narrative with eddie a more definitive story um you know what is not necessarily like his origin story because that's that's kind of lame but you know what's his you know his his power set limitation of his power strengths weaknesses where is he from like where is he going you know motivations um you know so we're really fleshing out kind of a sense of who who eddie is what he is what he's all about and that was kind of quite a daunting task because it hadn't really been done in 40 years right. <laughs> or thereabouts yeah. um you know, so, I don't so know how you do it, Lexi. All as a one person, how you manage so much—it's—it's it's really incredible. It really is. Well, it's a you know, mind blowing. As I say, you've got to surround yourself with people who know what they're doing. That's, uh, it's usually that's the, a hack. The, yeah. The, yeah, that's the hack. Yeah. Um, no, no, I've had I've had a great pleasure working with just hundreds of fantastic creatives to realize some of these ideas and, and help refine them and, and, and shop them. But but ultimately, a lot of it is just creative direction and oversight and kind of knowing fundamentally like what the rules are you know it's like being the law master or the dungeon master is like yeah you know eddie could do this because of that or no he'd be threatened by this because he has this weakness and that's because of this you know uh, and, and once you kind of feel like you're grounded in the rules and you've got a sense of the world and and, and uh, you know almost like the physics of that world even though it's all crazy metaphysical sci-fi stuff you know right. um then you're kind of curating you know and you're working with other creatives to guide it and make sure it all Kind of makes sense across the line um so yeah i mean that that's kind of the maiden story um you know and i worked with them yeah right up until basically the pandemic and then i thought the pandemic was an interesting opportunity to kind of regroup because i knew well i mean i didn't know like how long they weren't going to be touring or what was going to go on um i actually never thought they would go back to doing legacy of the beast like again <laughs> i thought yeah. it'd be something <laughs> else over. Where, yeah. yeah i thought that was done um but uh the, you know the game's still still going and I, i'm still sort of involved in the game to a degree uh because i sit on the board of the the games company because i help form the games company um right. so i still kind of there's only uh, you know two directors is basically myself and uh, and will moore who's uh, fantastic and he he kind of is the ceo he like runs the company day to day but we still check in you know quarterly and, and more really just kind of on everything that's going on and, and some of the um 
you know, you mentioned Disturbed, for example, you know, we're working with Disturbed on the comics and toys and so on. And then, uh, you know, Will mentioned to me in the conversation, like, oh, we're thinking of doing, you know, collaborations in the Iron Maiden game, you know, bringing in other bands, making it more like a game for all metal fans, don't, not just Iron Maiden all the time. Um, and I thought, oh, that's great. You know, why not? We can, we can bring, you know, Disturbed have this fantastic mascot guy. It's kind of a Todd McFarlane-esque spawn kind of creation. Um, you know, and so we brought some of the, the same work we've been doing with Iron Maiden, we did with Disturbed, you know, we carried on building out narrative and, and, and you know, more more logic behind it. And so then there was a really good grounding to bring that character into the Legacy of the Beast game and, and do a kind of collab crossover and have it make sense and, and you know, know like what Eddie's kind of function and form is versus the guy's function and form and that kind of thing. Because like the work had been done, it was, it was pretty easy to transplant, you know, uh, Disturbed's mascot from the comics into... Iron Maiden's game. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I still kind of end up involved in some of these maidenly things from time to time. Um, I just did something like that with Avenged Sevenfold actually to put their um, uh, they have a, a kind of a Web3 fan club NFT collection type thing. Um, mm -hmm. The Death Bats. Um, and it's it's really this crazy, just awesome community of like their most hardcore fans. Um, and that's a great community. Yeah, yeah I, I, I actually just joined. It's a great community. Oh, really? So, so Lexi, when you were regrouping then because of COVID, COVID, oh, yeah. that's when that's <laughs> when you reached out to us. So that is that. Yeah, is well, that I mean, it's during that. Yeah, 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 it's during that whole period because I thought, you know, um, I've been doing this for a long time with Maiden. It's been like five years, and it kind of felt like you could just do another five years of the same thing because <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that's kind of what they wanted. Like, Oh, you know, you, it, you know, you can renew and, and just keep on keeping on like doing these comics and doing this, that, and the other. Um, and then I thought, well, you know, the, the, the challenge with, with Maiden is kind of, they want everything to be ex exclusive, you know, um, uh, and they want the kind of, you know, the, the talent, if you will, or, you know, to be exclusive and they don't want you going around doing stuff for other people when you're doing all this stuff for them, which is fair enough um but i kind of felt like maybe that was a a good time um because with touring kind of slowed for a minute you know my experience of working with bands and management it, it meant that you know the bands slowed down the bands are at home the bands are either in the studio recording new material but that you know usually doesn't take more than three months or so um and then they're not on the road so what are they doing and it's kind of like you know and this is not literally speaking but you know they're kind of sitting around twiddling their thumbs because they can't put out right. the record because they can't tour it right so right. no one was putting right. out new music right. and it's like well what are you doing to keep engaging with your fans you just you know you don't want to keep like popping up on snapchat or youtube or whatever being like oh i'm still at home on the couch kind of thing like right. you, right. you need something interesting yeah. to share and you know i think it, it's commendable you know some some of these guys who started doing like really cool like weekly live streams, jamming with different mm -hmm. bands, doing covers and stuff, like really engaging content. Um, but something that I thought could be interesting was, you know, comic books, obviously the fact that they come in installments, the fact that you can, you've got all this amazing art that you can start drip feeding through, you know, social media and teasing the characters and teasing the story. I felt like it was an opportunity to approach a bunch of bands that I, you know, either knew or was familiar with, you know, their management or whoever, you know, and be like, hey, why don't we, collaborate on this and during the downtime this is something kind of regular that can fit in your schedule and i felt like it was a good opportunity to do that um and then you know we had a few uh people that sort of reciprocated to that idea and were like oh yeah we you know disturbed evanescence we'd love to have you know some kind of fan you know disturbed. you know in both cases it's kind of like 
a dark fantasy thing. I mean, Disturbed's a bit more dystopian sci-fi and, and, and um, Evanescence is kind of a bit more whimsical, you know, like Labyrinth or, or The Neverending Story or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that kind of worked out. So we went down that road and then I was thinking more about the long tail of that, of like, well, if I'm not doing the Maiden thing and I've kind of opened up my schedule a bit, you know, I didn't want it to just turn into like random projects where I was like, well, I'm doing this with this band and I'm doing that with that band and, and, and see where they go. I kind of wanted to create some kind of uh, structure, you know, right. um, where all these things could live under one roof and, you know, we would have a roadmap and we could do more. And eventually, you know, we were doing those books initially, as I said, like through social media, direct to the fans, you know, limited edition comics and this kind of thing. But I thought the long tail on this is ultimately you're creating a bunch of really cool content that no one else is really doing. Like, you know, these kind of, even though there are some companies doing music graphic novels and stuff, no one was really doing music books like to the, to the comic stores at all. Yeah. Like actual floppy comics. Um, and that's a different market like entirely. And I've always loved, you know, collecting comics. So it was something I was passionate about doing. And I'd done that with Maiden, you know, we, we, we did their comics, you know, traditionally uh, in that way. Um, and so I thought, well, ultimately it's going to turn into some kind of publishing entity and there's going to be a load of content of all these bands. And then, you know, it becomes more like a rock metal lifestyle thing. But I also didn't want to get pigeonholed into being like, oh, you know, you just do music comics. Um, and, and I thought like as well, there's kind of like only so many of them you can do that, that feel distinctly different. Um, that's something I'm always kind of conscious of. You know, there's there's a sensibility of, you know, music that I like, that I want to work on, that my team would want to work on. Um, and then, you know, are you actually finding ways to differentiate it? Because if you just do like 10 thrash metal bands, there's a lot of similar, you know, thematic content there and you don't want all those comics to feel the same. Um, so it's trying to, again, like really find different niches within the genre. Um, and then on top of that, I, I was thinking about, you know, and, and, and the Frazetta thing, you know, seemed obvious to me, you know, and one of my first exposures when I was to Frazetta, you know, was, was again through music, you know, there's the Molly Hatchet covers, there's the Ingway Malmsteen covers, um, you know, because I mean, it, I was interested, I mean, that album wasn't out at that time, it came, I think it was War to End All Wars had Frazetta on the cover. Um, yeah. Wolf think, Mother. Yeah, yeah Wolf Mother yeah, obviously yeah, did, yeah, yeah had yeah. that. So I think on, well, they have it on multiple singles and then on the album right. as well. Right. Yeah. Dust, um, Dust. So, so I'd yeah. seen it there and, and I was thinking about, and obviously we think a lot about like art in the context of metal because we create, you know, graphic novels, right. comic books. And, and I was thinking a lot about Frazetra, like this is really like, a, <laughs> I was like, this is very metal. Like the Death Dealer is about as like metal as it gets. And I was like, there's something here that's like metal lifestyle, you know, um, that I think, and, and I knew, you know, a couple of guys in bands and stuff that were big fans of the art, you know, um, and we're talking, we were talking about it a bit. And, you know, it just kind of occurred to me that like, you, you know, there, there's kind of a niche there in publishing of like rock metal lifestyle, not just, oh, it has to be a band, but like this would appeal to fans of all of these bands, like even if they've never heard of this. And then of course, Rosetta has, you know, uh, its own audience um, going back decades now. But I think there's a lot of crossover there too, um, with what we do. So, so yeah, I approached you and I felt like that could be a really strong uh, title for us to build out over time. I felt it could be, you know, much like with the Legacy of the Beast thing, it's almost like a, a kind of linchpin sub brand, you know, Death Dealer yeah. has its own, you know, world to build. Uh, Dawn Attacks has its own world to build. You know, there's, there's kind of various 
tent poles in there that I can see that that, yeah. that makes sense to me at, at least to to build out. Um, and then the real challenge there <laughs> is going to be you know kind of uh, hopefully being not too clever for our own good, but about how it's all going to connect and it's going to be on a linear timeline. So whether you're going from like you know medieval dark fantasy ages through to like far flung you know sci-fi, it's actually all the same uh, world. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, the, the Frazetta thing made a lot of sense in that in that context to me of like metal fandom, metal lifestyle, rock and metal album covers. Um, and there's been other stuff we're looking at since, you know, other great art, uh, you know, from Frazetta's era and, and more recent where we're thinking, oh, you know, is there something we could do with that? And I think for me, what's exciting about that is there's a similar um, approach, I guess, a similar skill set involved in deriving narrative from a, an existing piece of creative work that is not narrative so whether it's you know music and you're deriving narrative from you know lyrics and an album cover and you're trying to weave that into something original um that still pays tribute you know to the source material or whether it's a you know a single iconic piece of art and in the, obviously in the case of death dealer there's actually a series of, of, of artworks um and how to sort of absorb that and the uh i mean i refer to them as like the adjacent <laughs> paintings but they're only adjacent because we've sort of made them so uh right. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know <laughs> uh but, but we, we you know we have all the we have a like mood board of all the frazetta art you know mm -hmm. laid out. And, and then it's kind of like ah oh, okay this goes here and this goes here and you know um yeah that, that becomes this new linear world building exercise um so yeah there was definitely similarity for me in, in having done that a lot of that work with musicians of world building you know from from pre-existing creative that wasn't narrative um and then sort of taking the same tact with um you know that the the frazetta artwork that, that you guys kindly supplied um you know to kick off this project that we had this wealth of it's, it's about 50 images that we've been you know working for yeah. inspired by to, to build this out it, it's it's been no easy task and I, I always am like how how are they doing this but I always appreciated how you took such a thoughtful approach to each piece and really built that character out it wasn't like this you know let me let me take the piece of the art and make a, a, a lazy short story it was like we, we want to make a world a Frazetta verse and and I don't know if I told you Lexi but it was it's crazy with timing how everything works out but we were um, we were litigating with a publisher who wrongly asserted that he held the rights to publish comics, even though he never published a comic. And we were in, <laughs> it was, good. it was crazy, <laughs> but the, the, yeah. the silver lining was in the middle of litigation as right holders, we figured out what we could do and, and what, what opportunity we had, we felt some sort of freedom. And it was like four months later, your email came in and I'm like, hallelujah. It was, it was like, it was the, per it was perfect timing. Um, and it was, it was such like, I, like you mentioned earlier, just having like this alchemy together that we, we had that same vision. And I think that's why, you know, I mean, what, how many, how many issues did you sell of issue number one? I mean, I think, I think it's, I mean, it's on its fourth printing and we don't plan to, I mean, it's sold out. We don't plan to reprint it again. Yeah. Uh, I think it's around 65,000 um incredible, across incredible. all the printings and retail exclusives and direct to consumer yeah. exclusives and so on yeah it's it's yeah. impressive breaking number. records yeah you, you would have made my grandpa so happy You'd be like finally breaking <laughs> breaking records it's great great alignment <laughs> yeah no but i mean you know for us it's 
it's the goal you know and it, actually with Frazetta we, we did have a very different goal and that's something we haven't touched on but you know although the process was really similar to working with the bands with most of the bands we are serving the fans of the band and particularly with a band like Disturbed where they've had the same mascot or Iron Maiden and they've had the same mascot on every album cover and there's this history of this character but there's just this utter mystery great unknown like what's the deal with this guy you know right. <laughs> yeah, we've had him on like you know in maiden's case you know 10 album covers you know just case six album cover whatever it is. and 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 you've not really kind of explained this to us um and so it, there's a there's a lot of fan service there of, of like we felt like this is really something that the existing audience wants to know they want to know more they want to engage with this character with this world um and so it's our job to kind of like do it justice and service the fans and give them what they they've always wanted and, and hasn't been done um for whatever reason um whereas with frazetta it, it was almost a very different thing of like i i really felt quite strongly and i feel this now a couple of other things we're doing that aren't announced but um <laughs> you see these fantasy shows you know which uh game of thrones um Lord of, I mean, Lord of the Rings obviously has its own incredible established history, but in, in, in terms of the way that these things are being visually portrayed, uh, a lot of that fantasy stuff comes back to Frazetta. Like just the, the I mean, obviously the, the people refer to Frank as like the godfather of fantasy art. And I think because, you know, it was such a kind of shift in approach, you know, just so visceral. And it's interesting, you know, I'm sure people listening to this have all read, you know, all the Frank's interviews and stuff, but the way he didn't kind of like, didn't really like live to paint. It was like something that he like fitted in around all his other like <laughs> endeavors. And he was a very outdoorsy yeah. and very physically fit and had this, you know, real kind of, you know, I idealized view, you know, of, of anatomy and the outdoors and, and, and sort of heroism and all this kind of thing. And then it really comes through when he channels that into his paintings and you just get these incredible fantasy archetypes. I mean, there were obviously really uh, sort of direct reference and, and uh, Taika Waititi even, you know, owned it, was like, yeah, like Thor, Love and Thunder. It's like, yeah, Frazetta, Panel Van, right. you know, stuff. Right. And it's like, yeah, there's like Thor on top of the mountain with the with the hammer against and the, the lightning. It's like, it's yeah. against the gods, you know, it's like yeah. straight up, you know, and, and it's not to say that it's, a copy because it's not you know the framing's different this that and the other right. but it's a direct tribute or homage like if you know straight away yes. you're like aha <laughs> you yes, know like yes. tonally we know where Tip this is going yes. yeah yeah exactly yeah. um but in some cases you see it and it's it's way more like subversive and they're not owning it <laughs> it's like you know yeah. and, and particularly with one of the new big series i don't, I don't want to like call people out but like there's one of the big new fantasy series that's out now and the key art for that I mean, it's just it's just a direct rip of this painting that we, funnily enough, now have the rights to because I was so incensed <laughs> by what I saw that I was like, we need to go and get this and mm -hmm. put it out in front of the people that are enjoying all of this content and be like, this is where this comes from. So little little bit of a history yeah. lesson, you know, for the next generation right. to Absolutely. be like, this is the source. Like, And what you're watching is great and what these people are creating is great. It's not to detract. I mean, we, and we are so spoiled for um, 
you know fantasy content now on, on TV, in TV, you know, yes. TV and film. It's amazing. Uh, you know what a time to be alive, as they say. You know, and I've been watching you know, the, the new Lord of the Rings show, and it's just gorgeous. You know, and then when there's more Game of Thrones, and then and, they, and they've kind of you know come back with, with with gusto and managed to kind of overcome you know people's dissatisfaction with with the, the finale and all of that. Finale, um, the last so season. Yeah, it's interesting because I think people, you know, with something like that, where it kind of it, it, it doesn't go the way people want it to go and you don't get that satisfaction from an ending. A lot of it, it was fascinating how quickly the interest waned in, in Game of Thrones. But ultimately, people did want, you know, and they loved that show. I was never hugely into it, but it's still a cool, cool show, you know. Um, yeah. And people did want more, you know. They wanted it to be sad. They wanted more satisfying Game of Thrones. So when obviously, you know, they announced we are doing this and it's a new team and it's going to be great kind of thing. Obviously, they had massive turnout. And unfortunately, those people haven't been disappointed. And so we're getting more of this great high quality uh, fantasy on television. But but yeah, to my point with with Frazetta and, and with this other unnamed artist, because we haven't announced it yet. So, <laughs> um, you know, I felt like it was really a, a, a kind of a cool undertaking to be like, how can we get this in front of the next generation of readers and, you know, media consumers that are loving all this fantasy stuff and are kind of completely oblivious to, I guess, the etymology of some of this imagery. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. and, and so, yeah, that was a big, a big part of it for me where it really kind of diverged in, in goals from, from the music stuff, the music stuff. It was like, yeah, fans are going to love it. There's millions and millions mm -hmm. of fans. And hopefully we can do them, you know, do them proud, make them happy. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, we get it into comic stores. And if comic book readers think it's cool, then great. You know, but that wasn't, right. you know, your primary um, goal. Um, fun enough, we've worked recently with uh, Michael Morisi, fantastic writer. He, I believe he wrote the kind of Sorcerer one shot, if you will. It's kind of the Sorcerer's yes. debut in, in issue six. Um, but, you know, he, he's, he's a fantastic writer and he'd done them. Um, this fantasy series barbaric you know uh with vault comics it was great uh kind of three issue and i think it's come back for more um and you know again it's another example of like you know great um great fantasy barbarian stuff you know in in, in the world of comics and it's really nicely done and there's some cool original innovative stuff in there and i'm you know i think michael's fantastic but again it's just kind of this thing of like well if, well, if that's out there, like the, the death dealer should <laughs> should be out there. You know what I mean? Like absolutely, you know, absolutely. It was really frustrating because we at, at all the times that we had done like a San Diego Comic Con, we would we would be at a booth, and it wasn't the presence that we needed to have, but it was what we could what we could do at the time. But mm -hmm. I just remember having that feeling of just being really disheartened because no one knew who Frazetta was. But then, like you said, they had this huge fandom for Game of Thrones, and oh. and it was and George R. R. Martin had had stated multiple times Frazetta was a huge inspiration, but it it was like it was trying to overcome that. How do we get back into that space of, of reaching the youth? And that's what you've done for us because now when, when I go into a local comic shop and I see his, his art there, it's just like, I, I'm, I'm so giddy because I'm like, this is how this should have been done years and years ago and it should have been done right. And I know we have, you have big goals for it. Um, just aside from comics. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, we, we, you know, uh, I approached it with, with Mitch Iverson originally, um, there's a kind of trio of us that we're all friendly. Um, um, Tim Hetrick, Mitch Iverson, myself, you know, and we, we're dabbling, you know, in, in uh, you know, the Incendium kind of opus comics, all that, some of the Incendium partnerships. And 
looking at ways we can um, bring things to animation um, and other media. I mean, I think in the case of Death Dealer uh, and, and Frazetta, I mean, there is, it would be wonderful to do something animated, but there's certain challenges um, because you kind of don't really, I mean, look, I, I, I'm sure if it was done well, you know, people would, would eat it up and enjoy it in the same way, like Castlevania is great and Dota is great and, and Mitch, you know, wrote a lot of Dota, um, Dragon's Blood and all that for Netflix. Um, you know, so, so but they, they have a kind of uniform look. A lot of them use the same studios um, yep. and they look cool, you know, <laughs> but of right. course it doesn't look like Frazetta. And, and that's a right. big challenge if, if you want to get into animating something that actually kind of captures a bit of, of Frazetta's style. And it was a similar challenge with the comic. You kind of, you want to capture like the weight and the physicality of it and the palette mm -hmm. of it. Um, but there's actually no point trying to make it look, look like Frank's right, work right, because it's right. always going to be a, if you do that, it's going to be a pastiche of Frank's work, and that's that's not going to fly. You know, yeah. it's not going to be great. No. Um, but but I think you have some similar challenge. I, I think you know, uh, Stefano really rose to the challenge in, in the comics, kind of establishing that universe. And, and now we've had some fun, kind of when we're doing characters like the, the, the sorcerer or the sea witch, you know, we're kind of changing it up stylistically intentionally to give this character like a bit of a showcase and, and, and lean into, you know, what their aesthetic might be. Um, so that's been fun. But I think, you know, it, it's another challenge in animation um, to find a, a style that really fits, that's, that feels, you know, like you are sort of honoring the Frazetta aesthetic, but not trying to ape it, you know, cause that won't, that won't fly. Um, yeah. And, and that, you know, presents challenges because obviously, then you get into like visual development in animation where it's like if they don't have established kind of processes for you know how the anatomy works and the physics works and all this stuff then it, it's like a huge amount of extra work rather than just putting it through that like oh yeah we're going to do a like western anime dark fantasy thing it you know right. these guys no. do the timing will be right just like it was when we when we fused together um i i, I believe in it and i think that you know, you, you really understand the challenges and the the needs for Rosetta. And it's like, we, we don't we do not do it until it's done right, period. That's, so. Yeah, that's my, always my feeling on all of these things of like, if you're gonna undertake it, um, you know, whether it's a, an artist with an iconic legacy like Rosetta or it's a musician with a great legacy like Iron Maiden, it's like, there's a certain reverence for the material. You know, you can't just be like, oh, slap this logo on it, put that character in it, people will buy it. <laughs> no, um, no. And, and I mean, you can't do that, but I mean, ultimately, you're kind of just derailing, you know, what it's all about, and it doesn't, it doesn't tend to to go anywhere uh, good. Um, I mean, I think you know, there, with everything that's going on, and it could be that there's saturation now of fantasy, you know, which also makes things challenging. But you know, I think, I think there's because of the nature of uh, sword and sorcery stuff. You know, you can even undertake that in live action these days. You know, it's certainly less costly than like the big sci-fi things. And uh, particularly if you're doing more, I mean, I'll refer to them as nomadic shows uh, like The Witcher. It's a great example of like, you know, there's not like huge ensemble cast. There's not huge like Game of Thrones or um, I mean, we haven't seen it yet in the new Game of Thrones, but in the old one, you know, you'd have entire battalions and sea battles and all this kind of stuff like that that's expensive <laughs> what was the, what was their budget like per episode of witcher oh, you know off the top of your head i'd have to look i, um, I think I game know. of thrones was like a hundred what was it a hundred million an episode is that is that I mean, true it, it, it may have been by the end I, i'd have to look into it like i can't speak to it i think i think yeah i think i read I'm sure something. It's it was high. Like, yeah it's, it's high. i mean i think that's probably too high but i but i can i can sure it's in the you know 10 million more you know and, and i think um 
and you know it was certainly like feature film budgets for a series kind of thing you know uh which mm -hmm. was pretty unheard of at the time and then you know you look at the new lord of the rings and it's like oh we've got you know whatever it is <laughs> it's like 700 million dollars or something has been spent you know it's, it's pretty remarkable um but that's you know that's the the interesting thing about Frazetta is because it always focused on these pivotal individual heroic characters um you know it, it's a much more intimate world in a way it's not really about grand large-scale battles although i think you can have you know some some really cool like big scale stuff like we have obviously the kind of crustacean city and and, and you know yeah. pestilence kind of infection, <laughs> a really cool kind of almost like a god of war boss battle you know mm -hmm. uh, type thing which is really fun um but yeah again it's more intimate it's like a 1v1 thing just on a massive scale um right. versus having to have you know armies and ships and you know all of that and they won't need as many clothes the costume the costumes yeah. and the budget. They, no yeah. one wears pants we can save yeah. on that front <laughs> you're saving for sure on, on costuming uh, and, and the armory and everything is pretty minimal yeah. Um, yeah you know but but i think that's interesting for live action of like you know you look at a show like the witcher and then you think about the death dealer uh and that's entirely plausible um not to say that the witch witcher is made cheaply because it's a fantastic show but i i you know the budgets do not compare to what they're doing with, with Game of Thrones and and uh, you can kind of tell with I, with the costumes not to not to I, I I don't like to criticize any art because it, until you know what goes into it like even <laughs> Game of Thrones like Game of Thrones all seasons uh, what seasons one through seven were phenomenal I think it was yeah. season eight the last one yeah and yeah. and I kept thinking whenever all the fans were so angry I'm like but what about seasons one through seven you're not gonna love yeah. everything give a, give yeah. these people a break for what the the, yeah. the heart that they put into this and the time and the money um and i don't know where i was going with that but well, do you remember where i was going with that lexi i think it was to do with out. the witcher possibly you you didn't you, oh I, if i read, read I, it correctly thank I don't you. Think you were a fan of the witcher costumes yeah the, the, the witcher it was the it was more of like the foam it looked like the armor looks like foam are they using foam i i don't know but some of it's definitely kind of i think they use um like molded leather some of it i think they've kind of like sculpted okay. the leather and so it's kind of okay. got like this kind of almost like the you know batman suit or whatever you know but then i guess because it comes from um you know i mean obviously from the books originally but the the the, the established kind of law that the vast population knows is the games and video game aesthetic is quite different you know to kind of a grounded um right. fantasy thing i think game of thrones always tries to be a bit more grounded and then mm -hmm. you know obviously uh lord of the rings is almost like an artisan approach where you have kind of like the art deco dwarves and art nouveau elves and you know uh, and then the kind of medieval man thing in the middle right um you know and it's trying to like honor all of that and then make it even more kind of beautiful and fantastical um whereas i think the witcher kind of yeah it feels a bit like 89 batman or whatever you know like on, it's, it's kind yeah. of a cool it's a cool look yeah. but i'm not sure how realistic that is you know for a kind of leather armor but but again like it, it's kind of stylized and slick and doesn't look like the other shows so you know you also want to find your own look right um, right that makes things. sense makes sense yeah. well lexi do you want to tell anyone like any like like announcements or we want, we want to talk about the discord at all forever i mean i'm gonna yeah like i mean I said, you know oh. i think you know we touched briefly on um you know the death bat and event sevenfolds community and that's something that you know i mean it, as you've mentioned you've joined recently and 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 kind of come across 
some of those folks and they're, they're all wonderful people. Um, you know, and I've been working with them a bit and really kind of got to understand, um, you know, kind of what Web3 is all about. And I felt like, you know, that, that aspect of community um, and kind of almost curating a community of like I, the idea of curating a community of like fantasy fans that want to see like fantasy art represented and live on and, and you know, kind of the Frazetta verse kind of be the, the flagship of that, you know, got me thinking more about Frazetta in, in Web3 and, and, and how, you know, how we could create something um, appropriate, I think, for Frazetta, um, but not just sort of saying, oh, you know, we've tokenized Frazetta's art, you know, like, because I mean, everyone's already seen his art, like, and, and think more about world building. And, you know, so what we've been working on um, uh, with a fantastic artist, uh, Ryan Christensen, who does a lot of cover art for us, uh, Opus, a lot of big band books, you know, done covers for everyone from like Disturbed to Cradle of Filth and so on. Um, loads of really cool stuff. Um, was why don't we try and create like fantasy warriors in the vein of Frazetta? Again, like not trying to make them look like Frank's paintings because that's kind of a, a lost cause. But, you know, it's again, clearly homage to clearly referencing. And so we went through all the paintings and we were looking at the different swords and the different helms and the different armor sets. And then, you know, the kind of general physique, uh, you know, that you expect to see. Um, and then obviously looking at the comics and the world that we're building and the kind of locations that we're seeing and, and thinking, oh, could we create a collection where like every every kind of member of this club could have their own, you know, unique warrior. And it is really high end fantasy art and like, you know, love and care has gone into it. And, you know, if you're yeah. a Rosetta fan, you'll notice like, oh, you know that's like the helm from from this painting and this is from like conan the destroyer and that's that axe and you know there's a lot yeah, of you have to really stuff. pay attention yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean if, if you just kind of at face value you're like oh that's badass looks like kratos or whatever you know <laughs> you know right. there's some that definitely look like you know i've had it's interesting the response i've had some of the folks kind of that have seen this behind the scenes you know we have it's like oh that's rad it looks like god of war or some people are like oh that's amazing it looks like this san julian painting or whatever you know mm -hmm. so it's kind of cool and then obviously you know the frazetta stuff and like you know uh, the, de the death dealer nods and all these kinds of things um uh and there's some deep cut stuff in there too but so yeah i mean i, th I think in terms of you know announcement obviously we, we we have this discord we've just opened it up it's been very kind of like you know nudge nudge wink wink like here's the discord right. like right. if you're in the know uh because it, there's not like i mean it's cool like there's already a couple hundred people in there and it, they're all really great people and it's a great community and, and there's loads of really cool fan art being posted and there's kind of yeah, a little you, like frazetta museum previews in there yeah you yeah, give you give a lot of sneak peeks and just the yeah. general chat's fun like you said it's a, it's a community we're, we're yeah. a group of a group of friends talking frazetta and eventually yeah and, and, and the discord is intended to be there for all Frazetta fans and fantasy art fans that dig Frazetta. There's always going to be cool stuff in there um, and support for anyone who wants to be there. Even if you're just not into like, you know, Web3, NFT, all that stuff, um, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it's it's a community focused endeavor first, the Discord, and, and it's great. It's like heavily moderated and there's a whole, you know, making sure that everyone plays nice and we don't have yes. any trolls and BS in there. Um, it's becoming the best so social media platform right now, in my in yeah. my opinion right now. 
Just it's kind of going going back to what what it used to be like, more just community oriented. Not as many, not people trying to make a comment just to be seen. And it's, it's yeah, it's yeah. That, um, you know, it's it's refreshing. And then the well, art you're, contest you're, you just did, it was great. Yeah, we did a fan art contest, and we hope to do yeah. more of those. We're just kind of you know building out some of the the tech to allow us to do that, so folks can you know post all their images, and people can kind of discuss them first. And then we were able to like lock that in repost all the images and it's like a click to vote system and so it's all very seamless and then we can announce a winner and, and everyone gets that announcement sees the winning art that's the great thing about discord is like once you're a member it's not like oh that got lost in my feed and i didn't see it it's like no there's going to be a notification there being like oh you should check the frazetta announcements because there's something new exactly. that you haven't seen you know and i think that's the problem with you know facebook and twitter and instagram now um is it's all algorithm based Whereas right. Discord is saying like, no, if, if you're a member of the Discord, you join the Discord and you verify, it's because you want to be there and you want to know what's going on. If you don't want to know what's going on, you can turn off notifications, right? Right, right, <laughs> uh, right. But, but by default, it, it's telling you what's going on. And so, you know, we've built that out and it's open. I'm sure you can share the link in the you know, description. Yes, I will do whatever. that. Um, but, you know, we do have this collection coming and the idea is that there will be, you know, a Frazettaverse nft collection um you know we want it to be a low barrier to entry it, it's you know it, it's really so we can identify the fans and the community and know where they all are and what they're all into and immediately reach all of them and then you know the folks that are sticking around that hold these tokens you know they're the ones that will be rewarded um you know they'll be exclusive action figures and they'll be exclusive comic covers you can't get anywhere else and that, that stuff will be free by the way right. for for people that hold the tokens um and there'll be certain perks like if you you know if you, if you get lucky and you pull a token that has like a rare trait you know there might be sign stuff or like art prints or whatever it is um we can do holders events that's something again from from you know hanging with the event sevenfold guys you know they, they've been doing these like private parties and events for for their fans and it's just such a fantastic mm -hmm. atmosphere and they just rent a venue for like 200 people somewhere Right. And because the whole community is maybe like six, seven thousand holders, probably in the major cities in the world, there's a couple hundred people that want to RSVP to a free, you know, party and hang right. out all yeah. with like-minded people that love the same stuff, you know. And and obviously we were talking about, you know, maybe that's like, you know, again like private curated stuff with the gallery, or whether we do shows, you know, at cons or whatever it is. There's a lot of cool stuff I think we'll roll out with that. Um, you know, it, it's still bubbling away. But a lot of the stuff behind the scenes is done. We've been working on it for months and months. It's been going on, yes. as you know, as long as we were working on the comics. Um, yes. from, from kind of, well, from basically when the first issue was released, we were working on this. Um, you know, so a lot of love's gone into it. And I think when we when we kind of announce it properly and show off what it looks like and everything, people will, will get it. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think the Discord's where it's at, you know, at the moment. And, and that's also the place to kind of stay tuned and see all the sneak peeks and know what's going on in the Presetiverse. Beautiful, Lexi. Thank you so much for your time today. I, I, I mean, this was such a incredible, incredibly enlightening <laughs> chat with you. You're just, you're just, my mind is, is full. So thank you, Lexi. Is, oh, so, and you. you have now, real quick, you have a death uh, dealer issue number six on exclusive on incendium.online, correct? Yeah, we right. do. We have a cool, and funny enough, that's got a Ryan Christensen cover and it's a yes. really cool 
cover of the sorcerer sick. and the fire demon and it's very halloweeny it's like neon or green and orange it's, and stuff it's kind of our halloween yeah. cover it's awesome yeah. this like psychedelic vibe is so sick like uh, this interior art by diego it's like diego i have to say diego nailed the sorceress like he made her the most beautiful frisetta girl like right up there with with my grandfather's Rosetta girls. So I was, I was really happy about that with that. I mean, her face, like every panel, I had a couple people already um, doing like a little sneak preview and they were like, wow, like she's just so beautiful. I'm going to, you know, go home and look at her a little bit more. And I'm like, wow, I'm glad that she's having that effect on <laughs> having that effect uh, on readers. <laughs> terrific artist, um, you know, and he'd wanted to work on some Rosetta stuff and we had that issue coming up. Um, and again, we wanted the unique look and then you know, he was really knocking it out of the park. Um, and so we had Dawn Attack that was in development. And, and so yeah. Diego's going to kind of stick around and do, you know, certainly the first arc of, of Dawn Attack, which is going to be phenomenal. Oh, God, I can't wait for that, Lexi. Thank you so much. And I, I can't, thank you. can't thank you enough for, for doing this for, for Zeta and for, for Zeta fans. Like, we, we all appreciate you very much. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. We love working on this stuff. We're excited to see where it goes. And yes, uh, yeah, we're only just beginning. Only Always just beginning. Yeah, it is. It's just yeah. the, 